Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Today we're talking to singer-songwriter Karen Harding. So welcome to Headliner Radio. How are you, Karen? Hello, hello. I am very good, thank you. How are you doing? I'm okay, yeah. So it's been a long old lockdown period, hasn't it? How's it been for you? It's it's been all right, you know. Um I've been I've been trying to keep motivated. I mean doing a lot of to do lists. Mm-hmm. I think they're very helpful. I mean some people hate them but I love them. <laughs> <laughs> now you've got to tick them off, haven't you? Definitely. I feel like it's um an easy easier way to be productive for me because I could happily just sit on the sofa all day. Yeah, and watch Netflix. I'm guessing have you got yeah. through a lot of it during this time by any chance? Yeah, a lot of it. I think I've even moved off Netflix now. I think I'm like, there's nothing else to watch. Like, let's go on crime or something, you know. <laughs> oh my God, you completed it. What an achievement. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like a video game. What about, um, you know, from the musical side of things, have you, because um, we've had a lot of people, you know, that we speak to, some of them say, oh, I felt really creative and, you know, I've made use of all this time. And then there's the other side where some people are like, I just don't feel inspired. And, you know, they feel a bit guilty because they're not prolifically songwriting or producing or whatever. So what's it been like for you? I have been, I guess it's been like a week on, week off kind of vibe for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so one week I feel like I'm really creative. I'm coming up with some good stuff. Then I think the next week um, I know what's coming and then I just kind of, I just take a moment to just sit and listen to some music that I haven't listened to before or mm-hmm. just restart my brain, you know? Because yeah. um, I think for me that's the easiest way to get out of a little block is just to listen to stuff or like educate my stuff on like lyric or whatever. You know, it's just, I just, I, just, I, I try and be as, um, uh, you know, as creative as possible because we've got so much time, you know, but you mm-hmm. can't, you also can't force it because then otherwise you'll come up with an outgood. Yeah, exactly. Because, you know, it must be a painful process to sit there and try and force yourself to be inspired and write a song. You know, if nothing comes, nothing yeah. comes. And then I'm guessing on the other side of things, you probably have times when you get inspiration from, you know, something really surprising and have an idea, I'm guessing, and it comes out really quickly. Totally. Uh, bedtime is usually the, the when I'm lying in bed, just got to drift off. Then something pops into my head and I'm like, of all the time in the day, you pick right now that I need to just, I need to record something, but yeah, that's how it is. Man. Okay, well, you know, inspiration comes in funny places. Didn't Paul McCartney <laughs> wake up with a, an idea for a song in his head? I'm pretty sure that was him once, and it was like the biggest song of all time. He thought it must have already existed. So I think you're in a good place there if you're on the same kind of level as Paul McCartney there with the, the oh, song well. inspiration coming to you in bed. <laughs> I'll take that. I'll definitely take that. <laughs> that's a good one. Um, so going back a bit, when did you first realise? your love for music and when when did you start to then pursue it a bit more seriously i um i i've all i mean i've always loved music from i remember doing singing at um school shows um at secondary school i was also um doing a lot of like family gatherings i'd get up and sing and do a few songs um and so my 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 parents always encouraged me to you know at home I used to do it a lot at home I'd run home from school um, and just sing for hours and hours and I mean not even easy songs I was singing super hard songs like Sweet Yarn went to Houston all oh this crazy God. stuff um, I don't even I must have slept so well when I was a kid um, and then after that I guess I went after after school I tried um, to, to make it in the industry at the age of 16 I didn't go to college but I didn't quite work out because I think I kind of got in with like the wrong, um, the wrong sort of group of people. Mm-hmm. 
and, and we couldn't, and it never quite connected. So, and I, I mean, at the time, I probably wasn't ready for it. You know, it happened, everything happens for a reason. Um, and then I, I remember I went back to do my A levels, and uh, on the weekend or like three or four times of, in the week, I'd be doing a gig. So I had I was doing like function band gigs. Um, I was also doing live PAs and like nightclubs. Um, and I was writing at the writing at home. It wasn't very good, I must admit. But at least I started to write on like garage band or mm. and playing piano and things like that. So I was kind of in touch with it a lot, a lot then. But I knew doing function band stuff, it really wasn't, you know, it wasn't hitting the spot for me. Um, uh, you know, at the time, I remember I was earning a lot more money than my friends were because I had so many gigs. But I, I just felt like this isn't the kind of music that I want to do. I don't want to do covers. I want to write my own stuff. I want to. I want to be the artist, you know, not just like the singer. Um, and I, I was about to. Go, I was looking at university because I, I think I take like two years, a year after my A levels. Um, my mum, my mum being like, Karen, I think you should go to university mm-hmm. now. You know, I've been quite a while. And I said, Mum, can you give us one more year? Let's just try one more year. It's only, it's only. I'm still young. I'm, I'm earning money. It's fine. I can do this. I think I was doing weight with them at the same time now. By this point, um, and then um, M&EK got in touch with us on Facebook. Um, Amazing. At this point, I remember. I remember, I remember exactly where I was when I read the message and everything. And he texted me saying, hey, I love your voice. I found you on YouTube. I'm just lying in bed ill, so I've been doing, like, a YouTube, like, day. Um, I found your voice, and I'd really, I really like to work with you. Do you want to come down and work with us? I remember thinking, who's this guy? Um, so I looked him up. I think it was on Wikipedia. And I came down, and I was like, and, um, I, remember, I looked him up, and I was like, oh, that's who he is. I, like, listen to his music. I'm really into his music. Mm. So I got a ticket, came down to London, met him. I had a session, we did some songs. I remember just being like, oh, this is amazing. I want to do this. I remember absolutely being so nervous. I was sweating, you know, sweaty top, sweaty yeah. top lip and oh, everything. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. oh, I met him. Like, oh, nightmare. But, you know, he's, he's not bothered. I can sit far away enough from him. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, he, I came down again. And I said, um, I said to him, oh, um, I said, I said, is it okay if I come at six o'clock? And he's like, yeah. So I got the train from Newcastle to London. Bearing in mind, this is like a pretty much direct train. It only stops at York. So mm-hmm. once you pass York, you can't turn back. I think Texas, like, uh, um, when I was on the way down, I just got, got past York and he said, I'm going to have to cancel the session. I was like, no. um, <laughs> I was like, you can't cancel the session because I'm already halfway down the country and I can't turn back. Yeah. Like, I'm coming to London and I can't afford to stay or anything. So, you know, you're going to have to, we're going to have to have a session before I can get the last train was 10 o'clock, I think. Mm. So, um, he said, right, okay. But what I didn't know is that he actually had a session with Little Mix just before me. Oh. So I got there at the studio, I think it was maybe seven o'clock or something. And there, and I think it was Jade and Jade and, Perry mm. were leaving the studio and I was thinking, hang on, I thought I'm just still next day, you know, coming out of the studio, what's going on here? This, bear in mind, I'm still waiting and doing these function mass gigs, I'm thinking, what the heck's going on? Um, and came upstairs, I ran to the loo, came back and he'd written a beat pretty much already by this point and, um, and I was stuck, couldn't think of anything, 
to write. So I just wrote down two words, say something. And he was he was like a meter in front of us at the computer. He's like, have you got anything? I was like, I can't really think of anything, you know. Uh, all I've got is say something. Um, and he was like, oh, well, how about, if you want to say something, you know. And I'm just being like, yeah, sounds good. Sounds great, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is such a crazy um, story. Yeah, and we did it, and we did it in like two hours, and I got the train home at like ten o'clock, and it was practically finished. It sounded pretty much what it sounded like now, how it sounded that day. Well, let's have a little listen to say something, just to kind of refresh ourselves with this massive hit. Here we go. This is say something. God, just like that. And obviously he's worked with some amazing names. I can imagine you looking up on Wikipedia, you know, like Beyonce, <laughs> Christina Aguilera, Kylie Minogue, uh, Madonna, a little mix, like you said, there's all sorts, aren't there? So I can totally understand, you know, that the sweaty top lip there. Um, yeah, very yeah. justified. Was it intimidating or did he put you at ease? Um, not at all. Not at all. He is such, an, such a good guy and he's so talented. And it was just, I mean, I'd met him previously before that with, with the other two songs, so that I felt already felt kind of comfortable enough. But it's just because of the mad bush. I just thought he's working with. I think it's because I knew he was working with. It kind of made us think. But what about me? Like, you know, it's kind. Of, it's so strange. It's just so strange how it's not how it works. Mm. Totally, but I guess it was meant to be. But that's just a crazy story, isn't it? Because I saw that he he'd seen a video of you, like you said, covering disclosures and that, hadn't he? And then he just—that's so weird that he Facebook messaged you because you'd almost might think it was a prank or something. I suppose to get contacted yeah. like that. Yeah, one hundred percent. Because because you know you know what it's like just some random message and um and I was in just the fact that he was like I've been ill all day and I've been looking through the, um YouTube and I'm just like. Of all the people you you looked at my video, and my video by by this point probably had about two hundred views on it, so it wasn't like a YouTube sensation video. It was very small views on mm. all of my videos. That's crazy. Then even more crazy that he saw it. And I know, um, obviously before that, you um you were on the tenth series of the X Factor, weren't you? And you made it quite far into the competition. But um, what what was that experience like then? And what what do you think it taught you? Because it looked quite brutal, you know, the six chair challenge and all that side of things. Oh yeah. Um, so actually, it, like at this point, I had said something on my computer. So I'd written say something with Emanike, but um, my management at the time, well, we were kind of like helping us. We weren't fully, mm. fully management, but they said, "Do you want to go in?" And I was like, "Yeah, sure." So um, I think I, I, I went to the. I didn't have to wait in all the queues and stuff like that um, because she had a contact or something like that. I can't remember how. Um, and I and I got to the boot camp. And I have to admit, it was pretty intense. It was, it's definitely one of those experiences that I almost feel like you should go through as a singer or an artist, mm. so that you can really find um, yourself and that you can, and that you can stand with confidence on your own. Because with that show, it, 
it made me more motivated to be my own artist person and not not come through any other way just because obviously it hurt when I got rejected but I mean you know I think most most of the biggest artists in the whole wide world have had huge rejections so to me you just kind of have to just take it on the chin and, and move on um so with with that show it's so tiring you don't see what happens backstage I mean we all had to get ready for like eight o'clock stage ready I don't think I was on stage till 4 p.m that afternoon and and or in that whole time you're just sitting waiting around so you're obviously going to be emotional so mm. there's all of this and then when you get rejected it's just like all right okay I feel it and then bye you know it's it's really it's just a really strange thing but it definitely helped me uh realize that you know I, I think I'm strong enough to be my own person mm. you know I don't have to I don't have to try and pretend to be somebody else I can just do what I want to do yeah exactly and then obviously you know it did all work out in the end and perhaps it was just like you say one of the things you kind of have well not have to go through but it's something that perhaps at the time didn't seem like it but you know it was useful to go through it showed you I guess what you can what you can achieve because that just sounds like the most horrendously nerve-wracking situation I could ever imagine to be honest waiting (laughs) all day as well bless you I mean god that must have been just um horrendous but I'm well done for getting through it (laughs) I didn't perform till like four o'clock and then I was on the stage for three hours but they don't show you that on the telly oh three hours yeah I was sat for three hours and then obviously the last girl took my seat so at the time I was I was pretty upset clearly um but it's just funny looking back at it now because I would never sit for three hours. I would never be like, I would, I would be, why you, you can't do this to us because I'm not sitting here waiting three hours. Yeah. Why don't we all just wait backstage? You know, it's so funny. Like looking back at it now and just how much I think I've matured since that point. Mm. Yeah, definitely. And then, um, yeah, like you said, um, say something. Obviously, that was released in, two, in January, sorry, uh, two thousand fifteen, and it did so well, yeah. didn't it? So it went, you know, number seven. It was on Radio One, Radio One Extra, twenty six weeks in the charts. You know, platinum status. It's just the crazy success of it all. Did did you? I suppose did you have a feeling once you heard it? You know, finished um, that it was going to do something big, or is it just um, were you just pleasantly surprised that it did what it did? I think everything at that point in my life was like a haze um, because everything that just seems to happen was so random. So, I mean, so after Say Something was written, so I had it, I had it on my computer, I did the X-Factor and then I continued to do gigs um, up the North northeast. And I remember my, one of my friends texting us at, and I was in the middle of a, I think it was a Christmas gig and he said, I'm pretty sure I've just heard you on Radio 1 and I was like, um... I don't know how you'd hear me on Radio 1, but whatever. I remember going, linking into it on my phone and being like, oh my God, does it just please say something on the radio? Because I think Emilique gave it to All About She for a mini mix that they were doing on Radio 1. Mm-hmm. And it was a minute of the song. And I had like, I think I had like two two messages from record labels after that um, to my email directly to me saying, we love this tune. How can we get you in for a meeting? And I remember just being like, what the heck? It's been on for a minute. And so I knew in my heart when I got the song back on the day that we did it, that it, that I loved the song, mm. that I absolutely loved it. And but I remember questioning, is this actually as good as I think it is? So I sent it to my manager now, who's now my manager. Um, and she was like, this is great, amazing. But we kind of didn't go anywhere with it at that point. So 
I mean, ah, I don't know. It's like it's like everything was just meant to happen, and it just happened the way that it did. Mm. Yeah, and um, you've obviously had loads of success in the house music scene, and um, you know, considering your influences are things like I know you've mentioned Whitney Houston and Jasmine Sullivan, amazing artists and vocalists, of course. Um, do you, do you think that your younger self would be surprised that um, your career's kind of gone in this house sort of direction? I think so, yeah. Um, I always find it funny because, like, people people associate me with dance music. Of course, I absolutely love dance music. I, that's mm. mainly what I do. Um, but I, when I was probably, you know, 12, all I wanted to be was Whitney Houston. So I remember thinking, like, this is kind of me being, like, the I want to dance with somebody version of Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because it's dance music at the end of it. It's still dance music, so dance pop music. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's funny because I just didn't, I, I never knew there was a way into dance music. I would never have known how to get into it or to be the go-to vocalist for, for a time or whatever. Um, yeah, I think I'd probably laugh at last at the age of 12 if I knew what I was going to become <laughs> yeah but to be fair Whitney Houston has been in quite a few dancer remixes as well so I think you're in good company there still yeah uh, yeah I hope so. <laughs> yeah of course <laughs> and um I, I've seen as well like this is really interesting you've said um when you first came into the uh, music industry you were put into a lot of those um you know sessions where you write new music and you said um you're quite candid you said you had no idea what you were doing and you know you didn't know how to make it work with the different writers and producers in the room um and so you found mm. it a little bit hard to you know keep up creatively and then of course now you're a prolific songwriter for other artists as well as yourself so how did you kind of get over that struggle of feeling a little bit um you know maybe out of your depth um and to get to where you are now I think um I think at that time when I felt like I didn't know what I was doing it was because say something had done was doing so well um I felt I felt maybe I put I was put, applying too much pressure on myself to create that again mm. um and maybe maybe that came from labels maybe that came from from other people as well because um, not that it's their fault, but I'm just saying that's kind of what happens. I think when you have a when you have a hit, um, oh, you can't see my fingers when I'm going to hit. Um, uh, but the, I think, yeah, the pressure didn't help. But also, I've never done it before. Really, is like it was a full time thing, mm. and nobody tells you. I didn't study how to do that. Nobody really tells you how you should or shouldn't be in a studio, or how you can get creative, or what you you know, or what's the right way to, to make a melody or make a song. And then when you're in the room with so many different people in on different days, I think I'm, I remember doing like six a week. Um, and I was I was still living in Newcastle at this point. I was coming down on Monday morning, leaving on Friday night. So it was just nonstop work. And that also, I think, didn't help because I had no time to socialise. Mm. I had no time to um, just sit back take everything in that was happening to us and maybe, you know, use that as as um as fuel to write more songs. Um I think I just I maybe I just got carried away a bit. Um and I was just and I and I would do this I would do this thing as well where if I was in with somebody huge, I'd look mum up on Wikipedia. Okay. I'd look at all the people they've worked with. Yeah. And then I'd go in the room and I had that upper lip sweat, you know? Yeah. Um and I'd just be like, how can this is me, like Karen, like 
and then this is like I remember working with Rodney Jerkins, my dark child. Like, oh my god! I remember thinking, "Holy moly, this guy <laughs> like is written some of the best songs of the two th- of like two thousand, yeah, or the nineties even." Yeah, I mean, and he's just sat there just chilling with me, like writing the song. Actually, we wrote quite a good song, but um, I remember just think, I just thinking, Karen, you know what? Stop looking up these people. Stop looking up who you're working with, because at the end of the day. You can create something with someone who you've never met before, who's had, who's written one song in the whole life, or you can meet up with someone who's written three million songs and 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 have like a crazy CV. But at the end of the day, if the connection is there and if you and if you can build on something that day in that room, then that's when it'll happen. Mm. Yeah, and I think that's a great idea as well to stop looking them up. So you're going to psych yourself out, aren't you? Thinking about saying my name or something when you're working with him, thinking, oh my God, yeah. it's not going to be as good. The, the main one that kept going through my head was, it's not right, but it's okay. Oh, like, that is like. Whitney again. It, like, yeah. <laughs> but it's just, that is an all out banger. It is. All out banger. Mm. And to know that he created, you know, was, was part of creating that, it's just, yeah, I mean, it was, it was mind blowing, but. You know, he was such a nice guy, so... Oh, good. Thank God. Um, yeah, and then what What kind of inspires your songs then? Or do you... Is it, you know, a range of everything, I guess, then? Or depending on who you're working with, maybe? It's a range of everything. I think it depends on who you're working with as well. I like to work with um, usually a producer and another writer, another song, top-liner writer, in for the melody and the lyric. Mm-hmm. Um, and... But sometimes I like to be on my own. It just depends how you feel. I, I think a lot of people are like that way. You wake up and you don't really want to communicate with people. So you just rather be at the back of the room writing everything yourself. Mm-hmm. If you feel like you've got something to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I try as, as much as possible to listen to music that I don't, wouldn't know already. So if I'm, if I'm um, you know, cooking some food, I really enjoy cooking. So um, when I'm preparing everything, I used to put like a random radio station on or a random genre just or playlist and just try and, um, list, just, you know, have a fresh um, palette, you know, mm-hmm. for that day. And then maybe that will inspire something entirely different the next day, you know. Mm. And um, obviously because you write, you know, for yourself, but also for other artists. So I'm just curious, um, you know, do you sort of take from, would you say, different um, pools of inspiration you know when you write for yourself perhaps maybe it's more personal or something you've gone through than when maybe you write for others or do you kind of share some of I guess your own experiences in the work that you do for other artists I think it's a bit of both to be honest um, I used to go into sessions a lot I think being I'm going to write this song for myself I'm going to write the next single but then that never ever worked like that um, again it's that whole pressure thing and then for writing for other people, it's like, we're going to write such and such as next single, blah, blah, blah. But that, that that almost doesn't work either because then you're, you're limiting yourself to create the creative flow that you, that would come naturally. Mm. Um, I remember at a session a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of months ago, I was like, right, I really want to write like, some dance, like dark dance song or whatever. And we end up writing a song that I think, I think I would pitch for Anne-Marie because I remember singing the melody and Andreas, the guy I was writing with, said, "Why don't we just write what you're what you're singing? Let's not fight what you're singing." Mm-hmm. And then we wrote a whole song in about, you know, an hour and a half because it just came so naturally. And I think, I think it's always nice to just to just let to just go with the flow. Sometimes, obviously, if you need inspiration. Someone comes out with some chords or a melody, um, but it's always nice to to let it 
run free sometimes. Yeah, definitely. I think you can tell that you've learned that from experience as well. Just kind of let it let it go with the flow rather than trying to force something because you, you probably just feel a bit, oh, I don't know, like maybe you get a mental block or something of the pressure of trying to do it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of tiring as well. If you're, if you're in a room with three different people and we all know, I think this is the thing, everybody knows that it's not working, this idea that we're all stuck on. So the best thing to do is move on and then usually what comes after is the best thing mm. is like breath, you know. Um, and I think you've got to be really honest in that situation and just say, do you guys think this is working? You know, and they're like, no. And they're like, right, let's move on then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's sensible, totally. Um, I know as well you've been quite vocal about, um, you know, being really pleased and grateful to have been on, you know, a lot of Spotify playlists because I know that helps a lot of people get discovered. You know, it's a big part in getting your music out there, isn't it? So um, how has this helped you, you know, sorry, helped other people discover your music and how important do you think that side of um, the streaming services are for people like yourself? Um, I, especially with this, with Undo My Heart, the latest single, I feel like, the playlist, I mean, yeah, it's kind of mad because I try not to look at it too much or think about it too much because mm-hmm. the numbers, whatever number you get, you should be happy, you kind of should be happy with it because it's better than nobody listening to it and it's better than it just being on your computer the whole time, you know? Yeah. Um, but with Undo My Heart, I just feel like, it, I think it's because I love it so much. Like, I just want, I want as many people as possible to hear it. And I think with, with these, um, with the playlist, I mean, I was surprised at how many it got added to and how high it was in the playlist, which is, which is again, another thing that you shouldn't really be, like, so conscious of. But I guess it's it's like how many sales, I mean, back in the day, it'd be like, how many sales have we had in Woolworths? You know, I yeah. guess it's kind of like that, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and if it's higher on the shelf, then more people will see it. So I guess that it's exactly the same sort of thing. But on Spotify or Apple Music or Deezer, you know, all of them. Mm. Um. So I, I, I guess, yeah, I just try my best at, at, like, yeah, to say thank you to whoever's put me on those playlists mm. as much as possible. Um, and I guess it, it really does help in terms of building a fan base. I mean, I see, I look on, you know, another thing that I get a bit too dragged into sometimes myself is the artists, Spotify for artists. So I look at the, the demographic of where, like, people listen to my music, which is, actually kind of great because at least I can see um at least it gives me inspiration and hope that there's people you know listening far and wide Mm -hmm. to my music yeah totally um I expect it might be a bit um I don't know is it ever too much information though or is it just exactly as, as you said really helpful do you kind of get a bit obsessive about seeing you know comparing it day to day or however often they change the metrics you know where you're you know um getting streamed I mean, I would say I'm probably one of those artists who does not look at it too often. Mm. Um, I, I mean, I try and look at it every every other day or maybe every couple of days so that I don't get bogged down or compare or anything like that because that is like a really dangerous mental territory to get into, I think. Mm. Um, I think you have to be able to, you have to learn how to, to put it down and that no matter what, if it's going to be, it's okay. You know, that even if you get 10,000 or you get 10 million, like it's still okay because the music is out there. And I, sometimes I always like kick myself to make myself not think too much about all the statistics and everything. And like, what would 
15 year old Karen do if if like she realised she'd have a top 10 hit by this point she'd like you know been had this much success in music already you know and um, when you compare it to that thought it's like oh she'd be pretty happy <laughs> Yeah, I, I think so as well. And um, obviously, you mentioned your new single there, so that's um, with Digital Farm Animals, isn't it? So it's Undo My Heart. Yeah. So um, actually, let's have a little listen to some of this. Um, so this is a bit of Undo My Heart, which is your new single, and then we can have a little chat about you know the the process for this. Hopefully, not involving yeah. as much um, upper lip sweat maybe as um, <laughs> the single. But you never know. Nothing wrong with that. It is humid at the moment. It is humid. Oh, <laughs> okay, so here's <laughs> Undo My Heart. Here we go. Feel it again So you I changed direction When you came along I see your reflection I done nothing wrong Cause you tune i think uh i know it already is doing amazingly well but it's going to be everywhere isn't it i mean i think even you said before um you you, you knew this song was going to be like a single didn't you as soon as you wrote it so a good hunch because it's just recently had over one million streams hasn't it yeah which is uh madness something out for like three weeks or something just over three weeks isn't it i think you've definitely got a good hunch though i mean uh yeah i think you can tell um as soon as you can hear it it's going to be massive and it already is clearly so um yeah what was um so what inspired this song like what was the songwriting process like for this one then so with this one i um i worked on this one with um tim powell um to start with uh we kind of got the lyrics and the melody together um at his studio in Brighton. Um, I've been, I've been traveling down a few times. I've done a few songs, but this, on this day, he kind of had a rough idea and he actually already had the chords with the, like the ability bit mm-hmm. for the chorus. And he was a bit, is it, he, you know, he's like, is it a bit too far? Is it a bit too far? I was like, no, it's not. Like, it's brilliant because I feel like, um, those chord changes and things like that, to me, I love that. I love it when songs move around. I love it when there's like a real journey, you know? Um, anyway, so we, we we wrote the melody first. Um, we're just jamming about, singing into the microphone. Um, and it came quite quickly, actually. And then I remember we were thinking, oh, what can we fit in that gap? Like, what can we fit in it? Um, and then um, I think it was Tim actually came up with Undo My Heart. And I was like, yeah, that sounds sick. So we kind of wrote the lyric so quickly after that. Because, you know, once I think sometimes when you get the concept, um, the lyrics just come so quickly because you already know what you what your final um, phrase is going to be, you mm, know. Yeah. Um, so we had like a rough guide um, written at that point, and I remember even Insta storying it that day because I was so excited about this song. I was like, "Yes, 
I think I, I think I could probably go through my messages and find the ones to my managers being like, I think I'm we've written a smash blah blah blah. So I was dead excited. Um, but then it was kind of sitting for a while. But I didn't really think I couldn't think of anyone to get to to, to produce it um, because I wanted it to be um, more more of a modern kind of pop heartfelt dance floor dance song, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ultra, uh, my label, they they put they mentioned Digital Farm Animals and to send him the song. So we got Digital Farm Animals on it, and I remember the first draft coming in. It was actually quite nice to hear somebody's version of it that hadn't heard it before. You know, like, the, yeah. I mean, you obviously listened to it and went, like, this is exactly what I want to do. So it, I really like the fact that sometimes to have no input on the production and then to hear what someone comes up with from the top of their head, you know. So when the first draft came in, I remember dancing around like a lunatic. I definitely, definitely got demo whitest after the first demo. Because when they sent the second one, I was like, oh, I don't like it as much. But in fact, it was just because I had I had Emma White is really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and that, that's I mean I guess that's kind of how it, how it happened. I've I've worked with um, Digital Farm Animals in the past. We've done like a few things together um, years and years ago, actually. And so I'm so glad that we finally got one out together. Yeah, finally. And uh, well, sorry to hear about your case of Demoitis as well. I hope you've recovered fully. <laughs> Yeah, I've recovered fully now. Excellent. excellent. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know you're working on your own releases, aren't you, to come this year? I mean, I'm guessing that's still the plan. I know everything's a bit up in the air. But is this um, is this going to be a full album then? I think it's probably going to be more towards an EP. I mean, there's definitely enough music to put on an album, but I really want to um, put out the stuff that came out in the last, you know, in the last year or so and really create that body of work. Because mm-hmm. this will be my first one. Um, ever so I really want to just make sure that it's like really got that Karen Harden stamp um, I already know like the concept for it and everything and um, and also a few other people who are going to be on that on the EP um, which I can't say but yeah, I'm just I, it's just a, it's just it's just a really exciting time to, to know that I've got music coming as well that I'm also really excited about I mean all the songs that are coming are songs that I remember texting my manager saying I love this one. If no one takes this because I remember writing it for someone else, it's definitely going to be mine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think it's kind of the idea that I know that I really believe in these songs. So that's why I want to put them on an EP fully together. Okay, exciting then. So maybe towards the end of the year, are you thinking for that? Yeah, I think so. I hope so. Or maybe like the, the, the beginning of next year. There's a few more things to come. So, yeah, I mean, we'll just have to see what, how things work out. But, I mean, I'd love to get everything out to a point of where I could tour with it, you know, and celebrate mm. putting put out. And hopefully all the venues are open next year. Yeah, we hope so. I mean, it's strange, isn't it, to not know? Yeah. Yeah, so strange. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, we hope obviously that you can tour next year or whenever it's safe, of course, safety first. And uh, yeah, really yeah. look forward to seeing you know what's on your new EP when it's out. That's really exciting. So, um, thanks so much for joining us today, Karen. It's been actually pleasure to have you. you on the show. It's been lovely to talk to you. Oh, and to you. We'll have an amazing day, and um, hopefully, I can talk to you under less lockdowny circumstances one day. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. <laughs> okay. See you later, then, Karen. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.